is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an excellent day. Your week is coming along nicely, like last night, and will be the case tomorrow as well. We only have an hour and a half tonight, which might be for the best. Let's be real. The Brewers suck right now, and I don't know that I want to talk about them any more than I have to. So a show that's only an hour and a half instead of two hours, you know what? Maybe that's maybe that's not the worst thing in the world, right? We can fit it all in by 5.30. Brewers are back against the Mets in New York again tonight. Corbin Burns on the hill. Now, I don't want to be unrealistic. I don't want to be unfair to Corbin Burns. I don't want to put, you know, heaping uh, uh, unreasonably large expectations on him. But I think probably for the Brewers to win tonight, Corbin Burns has to throw a no-hitter. That might not be enough. Perfect game. Might need to be Might need to be 11 or 12 inning no-hitter, knowing how the Brewers operate. <laughs> Corbin Burns might have to have uh, a historically great start tonight for the Brewers to get a win the way we're playing. I want to start with the Brewers. Uh, in short order, I want to get back to the Packers because we had such an enlightening conversation about Alan Lazard yesterday, and I'm just dying to get back to that. I went to bed last night thinking I can't wait to get up and start my day so we can talk more about Alan Lazard and whether or not he's a wide receiver one at 4.30, I actually want to have a foray into some sports we don't normally talk about. I want to say a couple things about golf. And I want to say a couple things about hockey. Wow. Wow. Yeah. First time for everything. A little bit about the Stanley Cup Finals, U.S. Open coming up this weekend. So going to have a discussion about two sports we don't normally discuss on the show. That's very exciting. And then we'll get back into the Brewers after 5 o'clock. That's the lay of the land. If you were planning out the next couple of hours, that's kind of what we're looking at. 608 796 Give me a call or a text. That's how you can reach me. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. Oh, good. Josh Hader's just been placed on the paternity list. I, oh, yeah. 23 seconds ago, Brewers tweeted. So Josh Hader on a, unavailable tonight. You know, fatherhood is a beautiful thing. Congrats to Josh Hader and his family. I'm not, not upset about it at all. <laughs> I know it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Go, go ahead. Take, take the next month. We don't need him anyways. We haven't had a lead since, we haven't had a lead since before Memorial Day. Whatever. Uh, Chichi Gonzalez has been added to the 26-man roster. That's not a real person. That's made up. That's damn it, damn it. So without Hater tonight, you know they're going to go into the ninth up one nothing. Corbin Burns is going to throw an eight-inning gem. Uh, okay. Hockey, like I said, coming up. Golf coming up. Packers coming up. Uh, let's start with the Brewers. I, we have to. I don't want to. We have to. Uh, I want to know, how many of you turned off the Brewer game after the first inning last night? <laughs> Don't feel bad. How many? I know some of you are raising your hands wherever you're listening. Yeah, I know. I I know I know you did. I know it was you. Brewers are down 3-0 after the first inning. You said, ah, uh, this is over. According to ESPN, the Mets had an 88.4% chance of winning after Pete Alonso scored that third a tornado warning for northeastern Vernon County in southwestern Wisconsin until 4.45 p.m. At 4.06 p.m., a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located near Lafarge, or 17 miles east of Viroqua, moving northeast at 45 miles per hour. Expected hazards include tornado and quarter-size hail. 
This is a radar indicated threat. The following impacts are expected. Flying debris will be dangerous to those caught without shelter. Mobile homes will be damaged or destroyed. Damage to roofs, windows, and vehicles will occur. Tree damage is likely. This dangerous storm will be near Hillsboro around 4.20 p.m. Other locations impacted by this tornadic thunderstorm include Tripville, Martins Corners, Mount Tabor, Highway 82 and Countia, Valley, Dilly and White City. Take cover now. Move to a basement or an interior room on the lowest floor of a sturdy building. Avoid windows. If you are outdoors, in a mobile home, or in a vehicle, move to the closest substantial shelter and protect yourself from flying debris. Foul ball. Strike swinging. Bing, bang, boom. Three pitches, one out, and that was that. Like, click, clean start to the game, right? Three pitches. Woof, okay? Bottom of the first inning. Brandon Nimmo at the dish for the Mets. Strike looking, strike looking. Ooh, down 0-2. Here we go, Adrian Hauser. Let's get rolling. Need a good start from you. Ball, ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, ball, double, double on the ninth pitch of the at-bat. That's the difference between the Brewers and the Mets. That's the difference. Christian Yelich falls behind 0-2, strike three swinging. Brandon Nimmo falls behind 0-2, and you might say, ah, this at-bat's over. Nope, ball, ball, foul ball, foul ball, foul ball, ball, double. And that is how the game started. And those two at-bats compared against one another, that's the difference. That's the Brewers offense in a nutshell versus any offense worth its salt, which the Mets offense, worth its weight in salt, worth its, I actually don't know what that expression means. Worth any, any offense that's worth a darn. There you go. That's what Brandon Nimmo's at-bat represented. I'm not slandering Christian Yelich for having a tough at-bat. He's actually been fine. He's been one of the bright spots for this offense, which really goes to show how bad this offense has been. I'm not saying Nimmo is Ichiro here. That's not what I'm saying. But those two at-bats so clearly illustrate the difference between a good offense and the Brewers. I, I I don't know what adjective we should use to describe the Brewers' offense. Craig Council spoke to it directly after the game. You know, they made him work. Obviously, the, the first hitter makes him throw nine pitches and then and then hits a double. He, he battled well through the inning, but they made him throw a ton of pitches. But, it, it, you know, he didn't he didn't pitch poorly that inning necessarily. Maybe too many misses that kind of let him let him into some deep counts, but came back and, and pitched pretty well. I mean, that, that line score could have looked a lot different tonight, I thought. Craig Council, in his press conference when asked about Adrian Hauser, immediately points to the first at bat of the game. Well, he was up 0-2 and then ends up going nine pitches because Brandon Nimmo made him work, ends up with a double, and that kind of set the tone for the rest of the inning. And because the Brewers' offense is so inept, that first inning essentially decided the rest of the game. Time for a fishing analogy. It's been a while since we've had one of these. Every at bat is like a fishing trip, okay? For example, I went fishing last night. It was 95 degrees. Now, the brown trout, the rainbow trout, the brook trout, the trout don't like temps that warm. They're not about that. They're going to go under the grass. They're going to find a log or a rock. They're going to hide under there. They're not going to eat. They're not. They don't do 95 degrees. Okay. So I'm already down in the count 02 in this fishing trip slash at bat. Right. But I waited until it got a little cooler and get to the river till around 745. And I gave it a chance because you never know. You never know. You got to give the river a chance to surprise you. 
right? You got to roll in even when the odds are stacked against you, even when the variables don't look good, even when your odds aren't great. You got to try it because sometimes the river and, and the trout, they, they will surprise you and you, you'll be like, wow, look at this. I had a great night fishing, never would have predicted that, never would have bet on that. But you got to get out there even when it's 95 degrees. You got to give the river a chance. If the Brewers offense was a fisherman, that fisherman, fishing pole in hand, tackle box in hand, walks out the front door of the house, and the Brewers' offense would say, ah, it's too hot. Go back inside. It might rain. Go back inside. I might get attacked by a bear. I'm going to stay home. Go back inside. Eh, there's probably someone fishing in my my honey hole. What's the point? I'm going back inside. Right? All of those scenarios are, are 0-2 counts. Trying to go fishing in 95 degrees, that's an 0-2 count. Oh, there's rain in the forecast in an hour. That's an 0-2 count. That's not great. Right? If it's a busy day, if it's the fishing opener, yeah, chances are someone is in your honey hole. But there's a lot of water out there. Get out and fish it, even if it's an 0-2 count. Okay? You got to give it a chance. Brandon Nimmo had a nine-pitch at bat, and he turned it into a double. And because of that hit, the Mets were off and running, and Adrian Hauser was in a tough spot the rest of the game. And so were the Brewers. The Brewers' offense is the type to take their bat or their fishing rod and go home. And that was made evident by Christian Yelich's leadoff at bat last night especially compared to Brandon Nimmo's leadoff at bat, which really decided the rest of the game. Eh, let's talk about the Packers. Let's do this Alan Lazard thing. Uh, we'll do two topics before we take a break here. As Colin Cowherd would say, let's shift to this. All right, let's shift to this. Let's shift to this. Alan Lazard. It got everyone really riled up yesterday, which is good. Signs of life. I like that because this Brewers losing streak has been tough. There's not a lot of excitement, not a lot of calls amped up about the Brewers' chances. We're in a lull with the Packers right now, so we need some spice you know, Rockin' Rick called in yesterday, got up my butt. GWP dad was all upset. I'm not sure what Wild Bill was texting. He was texting me saying, <laughs> saying, I call him Alan Lizard, and that's cool. And I'm like, okay, Wild Bill, thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yesterday, I said that Alan Lizard can't be a wide receiver one, right? There aren't many wide receiver ones in football. I was looking at Anthony Tresh, pro football focus. He put out a list of... Top wide receivers, and the list was based only on performance and impact in 2021 and in 2021 only. So this is not a Lifetime Achievement Award. This is not projecting who will be wide receiver ones in the future. This is 2021, who were number one wide receivers in the NFL. And the list went thusly. Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel. I'm not sure how that's going to continue to play out. I'm interested to see how the career of Debo Samuel goes. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb. There seem to be two camps with CeeDee Lamb. Half of the folks believe that he's going to be the best wide receiver in football this year, and half think that he doesn't really have it. I'm not sure where I fall. Stephon Diggs, Terry Kill, T. Higgins, and Hunter Renfro, who, I pulled this stat, this is unbelievable, caught 96.5% of catchable targets out of the slot last year. Those were the guys. Those were the top 10 based on 2021. Then slightly after them, you have Metcalf, Lockett, Godwin, A.J. Brown, McLaurin, Hopkins, on and on and on. It's a pretty exclusive list. It's just one man's ranking. But there's no Keenan Allen, no Mike Evans, no Jalen Waddell, guys that we really like, guys we talk about a lot. Alan Lazard's not on that list, okay? And I don't care if his workload increases. I don't care if he gets more targets. He's not one of those guys. He's not elite at any one thing. And as a wide receiver one, you need that. Demonte Adams, unbelievable route runner. Cooper Cup, much the same. Debo Samuel, really physical. Justin Jefferson, great route runner. 
really fast, amazing hands. Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, pretty similar in that way. CeeDee Lamb is really shifty in the open field. Stephon Diggs is brilliant. Tyree Kill's really, really fast. T. Higgins, really strong at the point of attack. Hunter Renfro catches literally everything. All of those guys have at least one thing that you can hang your hat on and build an offense around. When you're talking about building an offense, putting a game plan together, and going into a game trying to score points, really what you're doing, you're launching an attack. You are launching a strategic planned attack on a defense. You're attacking defensive positions. You're trying to break through lines, enemy lines. You're trying to break through enemy positions and battlements. And offensive coordinators, like a general in battle, says, okay, what do we have? What can we build around? Oh, my God, we have we have Devontae Adams. His route running is insane. We're going to use him to be the spearhead for our attack. Everything we do is going to be behind him. I'm not sure what Alan Lazard's thing is. Now, maybe my wording yesterday could have been a little bit better. Here's how I'm going to change my wording. I'm going to adjust how I talk about Alan Lazard and whether or not he's a wide receiver one. Here's, here's what I'm going to, I would like to revise my wording. Here's my new take. The Packers can't simply plug Alan Lazard into Devontae Adams' role, run the same offense, and just keep on trucking. That's not how this is going to work. The idea that Alan Lazard is going to step in and have 80% of the production that Adams had, 70% of the yards, all the touchdowns, no. Doesn't mean that he can't be very good. I love Alan Lazard. But they're going to need to switch around their offense. They're going to need to readjust things. They're going to need to look different next year. Because trying to launch the same attack with a different guy is not going to work, right? Now, I like the idea of wide receiver one by committee, depending on the matchup, depending on the week, depending on who's hot and who's healthy. I think that's better than ace pitcher by committee or NBA number two guy by committee. I think wide receiver one by committee is very doable. I think wide receiver is more of a weak link, perhaps, than a strong link system, meaning you're defined by your weakest player instead of your strongest. Now, I don't think the Packers have enough good or great. I'm not saying that they have a million great guys, but they do have lots of options. And at least that gives Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers some options to play with and tinker with. And we can talk about what that might look like coming up next. I'd love to hear from you as well. 608-796-2558. More of the Wisco Sports Show back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Weather Service in La Crosse has issued a tornado warning for East Central Jackson County in West Central Wisconsin until 4.45 p.m. At 4.18 p.m., a severe thunderstorm capable of producing a tornado was located 12 miles southeast of Shortville or 18 miles southeast of Nielsville, moving northeast at 35 miles per hour. Expected hazards include tornado. This is a radar-indicated threat. The following impacts are expected. Flying debris will be dangerous to those caught without shelter. Mobile homes will be damaged or destroyed. Damage to roofs, windows, and vehicles will occur. Tree damage is likely. This tornadic thunderstorm will remain over mainly rural areas of East Central Jackson County, including the following locations, City Point. Take cover now. Move to a basement or an interior room on the lowest floor of a sturdy building. Avoid windows. If you are outdoors, in a mobile home, or in a vehicle, move to the closest substantial shelter and protect yourself from flying debris. 
going to succeed. He's very good in the role that he plays. Um, and we have to remember the role that he plays. Now, David is calling in, and it's been a while since we've talked with David. David, I've missed you. Before you ask, before I even bring you on, I'm just going to tell you, I haven't watched Godfather yet. I haven't had an ounce of free time, so we can save uh, time with that conversation. I'm assuming, David, that you're going to make the case that Alan Lazard can be a number one. I'm just guessing. Is that what you're going to say? No, sir. No. Oh. Oh, well, good. Well, what's going on? Then we don't have to argue, I don't think. What's up? I'll leave you alone about The Godfather. You'll tell me. I'm sure you'll tell me when you've watched it. And I will. Not worried. Um, well, two things, I guess. Well, one is, of course, I would be thrilled if Alan Lazard could be a number one. I would be absolutely thrilled. But I think you've hit it on the head. And frankly, without a number one, who is getting double teamed all the time. I'm not sure that Alan Lazard can have as many catches this year as he had last year or the year before. No, I think he's, he's got his niche. He's got his role. And I think that will always look the same. I think the offense will come and go with everyone around Alan Lazard. You know what I mean? Can the other guys pick up enough of the rest of the slack where Alan Lazard's catches are impactful and they're not just a a waste? You know what I mean? Sure. But how many times do you think Alan Lazard was double teamed? Uh, I would guess almost never. I I don't think anyone on this offense was ever double teamed other than Adams because Adams was always getting double or triple teamed. Like, how do you commit extra bodies anywhere else? Right. And, you know, now uh, that extra player is going to be out there either to put additional pressure on Rodgers or to help out on people like Alan Lazard. So that's my concern. And may I ask you to do me a favor, please? Of course. Sure. Yes. Anything. I would just like you to go back and look at the last loss by the Kansas City Chiefs and the performance of their quarterback because, you know, even the other day you got a little dig in on Favre about not finding Alan Lazard, da-da-da-da-da-da. Well, yeah. Please take a look at what happened to Mahomes in that final game and consider whether, as between Mahomes' play on the last day of their year on the last game of their year that they lost Mm -hmm. versus Favre on the game that he lost, which of those two quarterbacks was up for more criticism? Um, well, okay. So just want to take a look. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't think, I don't think you're being, you know, I don't think you're being fair to Rogers, but apart from that, I just want you to look at Mahomes who apparently is getting no criticism at all that I see about a game that he principally lost. Yes, yes, yes. Mahomes was terrible in the, in the second half of that game, especially once they were up 21 to three or whatever it was. Mahomes was terrible. And I, I've listened to smart people who do podcasts or do TV or radio. I've heard a lot of NFL people say they like, they might never look at Patrick Mahomes the same again. Like he was completely infallible up until that point. Right. I think the difference may be with Mahomes and Rogers. Mahomes has the advantage of still being very young. Right, and when you're young and new and on top of the world, I, I think you get away with a little bit more. Whereas with Rodgers, you know, he's been at this since 2010 for, for more than a decade now. I, I think you just start to run out of patience. 
and you're a little bit more critical of a player that's been at it a little bit longer. And I think that's probably the biggest difference between Mahomes and Rodgers. But Mahomes was bad. He was horrible. He had a multi-touchdown lead at home in the AFC Championship game and lost it. In the most important game of the year. Ah. 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 Same with the Packers. I just want you to be considering apples and apples. Okay. Okay. I can do that. I can do that, David. I appreciate that. Thank you for the call. Hey, you have a terrific day, (laughs) and I agree with everything you said about Lazard, but I sure hope that you and I are both 100% wrong. Yeah, I, I hope he turns into Calvin Johnson. I really do. Thank you for the call, David. It was nice to catch up. 608-796-2558. I think Lazard's role should always remain his role. Lazard is so good at what he does, right? The role that he plays is very important. Every team would love to have a player like Al Lazard. I think the issue for Lazard in the Packers offense, their passing game, could come when they try to make his role bigger, when they try to involve him in things that he's never been involved with before. I think in a perfect world, Al Lazard plays the same game and has very similar stats to last year, this year. What changes is everything around him, right? The way that they run the ball and pass the ball out of the backfield, the way that they involve all of the other wide receivers, right? That's what should change. I think Al Lazard should be a constant. I think the Packers should look at Alan Lazard and say, okay, we still want him to do this and that. We still want to involve him in this play and that play. We want to get him the ball here and there. I don't think his role should change drastically because he's so good at playing his role, right? Let's look at it this way. If the if the Bucks had a three-point sharpshooter, and forget the Bucks. Let's say an NBA team, Kyle Korver, right? Kyle Korver. Let's say an NBA team had Kyle Korver and a couple of other great players on their team. Right, And at the end of the season, free agency comes, and a few of the, the superstars, the leading players, leave the team. But Kyle Korver is still there. A smart basketball coach would not think, how do we take Kyle Korver and get him to do these other things to make up for guys who had left? A smart coach would say, how do we build an offense from the ground up after losing these guys that stills allow, you know, still allows Kyle Korver to take his shots? You don't want Kyle Korver's role to change. You want to take everything else around him to make sure that Kyle Korver still gets an opportunity to do the things that he's good at. And I think Alan Lazard is a specialist in some way, like a three-point shooter, right? Like a like a Kyle Korver or like a Mike Miller for fans of that era of the NBA like me, right? You don't try to take a three-point specialist and also get him involved in this, that, the other thing. You design the rest of your offense so your three-point specialist can still be a three-point specialist and do it with success. And I think Al Lazard is, is maybe in that same vein, right? He's a blocking, hard-nosed possession wide receiver who can sneak over the top when he's got a good matchup but does a lot of the dirty work underneath, and he's so good at that. So Malafleur and Aaron Rodgers has got a thing. How do we take Cobb and how do we take... Christian Watson or Romeo Dobbs or whichever one of these young wide receivers, maybe it's Amari Rogers. How do we take everyone else and construct an offense around Al Lazard? We know what Al Lazard is. We know what he does. How do we build everything else around him so that he can still continue to do what he's good at, but everything else, you know, still holds up around him? Because I, I don't think Al Lazard's role should change that much. I want his role to stay the same. He's really, really good at playing his role. 608. Seven nine six two five five eight. Vagabond John is here. Vagabond John, what's up? I'm just here to uh, maybe take the contrarian stance per normal. Good. Uh, Lazard's thing is that he's six five and runs a four five. So when you were asking, 
oh, Devontae Adams has special route running. What is the what is Alan Lazard's thing? He's just huge. Yeah. You know, he's what Devin Funches wishes Devin Funches was. It's, uh, you know, he's athletic and big. So is he number one receiver? I mean, if you look across the 32 number one receivers in the NFL, I don't think he's in the bottom three. Um, hmm. You know, so he's probably, I'd probably put him, if we were going to separate the 32 teams into four groups of eight, right? You got your top eight your second eight, your third eight. I think he's probably in the bottom eight. Yeah. But at that point, you're really, I mean, without being an offensive coordinator for an NFL team, I don't really feel comfortable uh, picking between, you know, wide receiver one, number 27, and wide receiver one, number 22. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and what's fun in this era of football, too, is every wide receiver one is so different. Like Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf, or, you know, let's think Tyree Killer, Devontae Adams. They're also different, which is really, really fun. It's, it's very NBA-ish in a way that all these guys have different skill sets. Al Lazard is huge, but they don't really use him like a jump ball guy, do they? You ever think about that? We, we've always wanted a red zone jump ball guy for Rodgers, and I just don't think that's ever going to work. I don't think that's going to be a thing. Well, hold on. Think about what you were just talking about. So what was our go-to red zone play in our previous offense? It was... The Devontae Adams super quick, either in cut or out cut, right? Mm-hmm. That was probably a large part of our red zone offense because we had Devontae Adams. Now, to your point that you just mentioned, the general that's making these battle plans is probably going to adjust. I don't think we're going to expect Amari Rogers or Sammy Watkins, for that matter, to come in and be able to execute the back shoulder uh, pylon throw like Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers did so many times. Yeah. I think this, if we're ever going to see a transition for Alan Lazard getting used like that, when you also then still have Aaron Jones sneaking out, you still have, you know, hopefully big Bob Tunyon um, in the red zone as well. I think the red zone strategy is going to change quite a bit because I don't know. I think the weakness in the receiver room is the route running in terms of, you know, the red zone routes that we've seen in the past. Yeah, well, and Al Lazard, as his career went along, I don't know if it was last year, and it might have it might have been two years ago in Aaron Rodgers' first MVP year, although Lazard missed time, if you remember. He got hurt, I think, against the Saints and missed a lot of the season. Something that I've noticed Al Lazard has improved on as his, as his career's gone along, the chemistry with Aaron Rodgers. Like, as he's gotten older, you've seen on the goal line those two playing off of each other and improvising, which Matt LaFleur a lot of times handles first and second down and, and between the 20s. But when Aaron Rodgers has gotten into third and short, you got got to have it plays or in the red zone. He's not afraid to improvise with Devontae Adams. And he was willing to do it with Lazard, too. It doesn't have to be a jump ball. But if Al Lazard can be comfortable and, and get those unspoken things and playing off of each other on the goal line and rolling right and, and just being where Rodgers wants him to be, that's a huge plus for Lazard, too. That, that's big utility. They need someone like that. I agree with that. Also, it is, you know, keep in mind he did have eight touchdowns last year. Yeah. Um, so he is definitely a scoring threat. Also, his, his drop rate last year, this is just me just being on the Internet now, uh, his <laughs> drop rate was 1.7%. I believe he dropped one pass all year. Um, so, you know, maybe his thing is he's big, he's fast, he's athletic, and he doesn't drop the ball. So I yeah. think the one thing that I would point to is his deep ball tracking seemed to get better. Yeah. And the throws weren't always perfect. If you watch Lazard highlights, it's you know, he 
after the catch, not great. Often falling to the ground while catching the ball. Yeah. But the important part is he's catching the ball. It's not, you know, the bad years of, like, James Jones just running down, <laughs> just bouncing <laughs> off. But um, one other thing I did want to bring up quick is yeah. I did a quick little fun lunchtime activity, and I think I've referenced this before on the show, is I compiled the Madden rating for a Wisconsin Badger NFL Madden team. Ooh. And my question for you, Mr. Grant Bills, is I'll give you a hint. It's above 65 and below 85. But if you ever played Madden, if you were going to guess the overall team rating of a team comprised of only Wisconsin Badgers, what would you put it at? Team rating? I didn't know team ratings were a thing. Probably, oh, let's, yeah. let's like, see. The, the high end would be TJ Watt, JJ Watt. Um, what other big so Jonathan? People, Jonathan oh yeah, I forgot, oh thank you. I don't know how I forgot about him. I let's see. You said sixty five to eighty five. Yeah, mm, seventy eight. That's pretty close. To give context, I should have given this context. It was seventy six. Ooh, right. uh, I think seventy six point six. So it, it was re- really close. But to give context, there are four teams on Madden that are worse than that. I think the Lions. <laughs> I think Jacksonville. <laughs> And it was just kind of interesting to me. You know, you, I always like to have that conversation when you say, is Wisconsin truly a pipeline to the pros? Well, when you consider that, you know, as Madden rates their players. Now, weaknesses, defensive secondary, they don't have a player above 70. No. And wide receivers, um, I think Alex Erickson, they <laughs> they uh, generously <laughs> have them rated as a 70. That is and generous. then Quintus Cephas should grow this year. Yeah, yeah, he should grow. I think he's rated as a 68 or a 69. So um, nice. as long as he has a nice year, you know, he should grow. But I think, you know, the fun part is just seeing the offensive line. Like everybody's at 85 or above. Who's so. playing quarterback? Tanner McAvoy? No, no, Russell Wilson. Oh, why do I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what? Okay. I, I guess year, he's a Badger. You know, sure. Yeah, sure. I, well, and that becomes, you know, Ohio State is like, do we get Joe Burrow? And I'm like, no, because he never played for you. So that's kind of uh, – I've put this on the online forums now to see, you know, what other college football fans come up with for their teams. And, you know, the stipulation I put is they had to at least play a down. That's it. If you if you want to count a guy that played one down ever, sure. Because um, otherwise it gets too tricky. But anyways, that was a fun little tidbit that I did over lunch. Figured uh, some people might be entertained. Well, you had a blast today. Thank you for sharing that, Vagabond, John. I appreciate that. Have an awesome night. You as well. Vagabond John, take care. 608-796-2558. So great offensive line. You get a good edge rusher, TJ Walker, running back, good quarter. (laughs) Who's the quarterback? Why did I think of Russell Wilson? I I was like, okay, who would it be? Tanner McAvoy? No, I don't think he's in the league anymore. Joel Stave was with the Vikings for like an hour, wasn't he? Whoops, yep, forgot about our boy Russ. Broncos country, let's ride. Yeah, that, that guy, really. Yeah, that's... Good, Russ. That's nice. Let's take a break. I want to talk hockey and I want to talk golf. I'm very excited for this. This is coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show gonna get back into the brewers here in about 20 minutes short show tonight 
We'll be done at 5.30 because we need to listen to the Brewers lose to the Mets. Um, come on, Grant. It's not that bad. I know, but God, they suck right now. They're so bad. You hear what Council said last night, by the way? So he was asked. I don't know what he was asked. I only heard the answer, and the answer was like, ah, we got to be better. He basically turned into Mike Budenholzer and at one point said this about getting shut out so often. Obviously getting shut out, that's never going to (laughs) work. I mean, let's never say never. I mean, maybe there's a niche we can carve out here. The team that every once in a while gets shut out actually finds a way to win. Obviously getting shut out, that's never going to work. All right. Thank you, Counts, for that one. Let's talk hockey. Um, I want to talk golf in a few minutes, too. I, I'm getting some FOMO, some fear of missing out from sports that I normally don't follow and normally don't watch. Maybe there's some listeners who love hockey. This is probably the best day of your life. This is your fa- favorite show ever on the Wisco Sports Show. We've been at it since 2018. We're finally talking about hockey. I know nothing about how hockey works. The lines on the ice mean nothing to me. The players, the logistics, I don't know anything. But I am gravitated towards the Stanley Cup Finals because the NBA Finals has been underwhelming and the Brewers keep losing and there's not much else going on. But... I'm also gravitated to the storyline of this finals. This is how I see it. And if I'm correct, this is pretty awesome. One team is going for greatness, right? The Tampa Bay Lightning had a historically great season in 2019. Now, they came up short in the playoffs, but then they won titles in 20 and in 2021. So they're going for their third in a row. And this would be the first time that a team has won three straight Stanley Cups since 1983 when the Islanders did it four times in a row. And yes, I knew that off the top of my head. I didn't have to look that. Enough to look that up. So you have the Lightning who are going for history, right? But the other team is also great. They're trying to break through for the first time. That's Colorado. Most people say that the Abs are the better team. Now, that's what the betting markets would say. They're minus 155 tonight on the money line, minus 175 overall to win the series. But breaking through is hard, right? It's a, it's a breaking of the seal or breaking a glass ceiling or however you want to visualize it. That's what Colorado's trying to do. Doing anything for the first time is difficult, even if you have the inside track to doing something, even if you're the better team. It still takes a little extra oomph to beat the team that's done it before. This matchup makes me think of 2018, AFC Championship game, Chiefs versus Patriots, right? KC was the better team with the better quarterback. They were at home. They were a field goal favorite, but New England had the experience. They'd been there before. They'd won the AFC in 2014. 2016, 2017, 2018. They scored 13 points in the Super Bowl. That Patriots team was not better than Patrick Mahomes in his second year. But the Patriots were trying to keep winning. They were keeping something alive. They were going for history in a way. They were going for a dynasty, right? Kansas City was just getting started. And I remember as as a public, as a country, we were pulling for Kansas City because we wanted to see, first of all, we want to see the Patriots lose, but also... We wanted to see Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid do this thing. We wanted to see a great team that had experienced regular season success achieve something at the highest level. And cheering for a team to win their first title is easy. Once they've won a couple, we start to resent them a little bit. And I don't know if hockey fandom has reached that point with the Lightning. I don't know. I'm rather indifferent. I remember when Kevin Durant and the Warriors were going for their third straight against the Raptors. I had no problem cheering for them because I sometimes cheer for history in sports. I want to see them win three in a row. I want to see them do something that's rarely ever done. So in years and years and years, I can tell my kids or whoever, when we're BSing about the the past, when we're BSing about former eras, I can say, yeah, I saw the Warriors go three straight with Kevin Durant. It's the best basketball team I've ever seen. Now, they didn't end up beating Toronto. That doesn't take anything away from the Warriors dynasty, especially if they beat the Celtics tomorrow night and go on to win again, right? It would be their 
fourth in what eight years now since 2014. This is a script I'm familiar with. This is a, a, a Stanley Cup Finals, even in a sport that I don't understand and a game that I don't understand. This is a script I can get behind, right? The dynastic team trying to stack another title on in the trophy case, get another Stanley Cup, and keep going versus the team that's probably better, but the team that's trying to do it for the first time. That's a storyline that I'm familiar with. That's something I can digest. And for that reason, I'm probably going to watch a little hockey. Does it start tonight? It starts tonight. We'll have to watch a little bit. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm making fish tonight. I was going to buy salmon at the grocery store yesterday, but salmon is expensive. It's really expensive. And I and I needed some other things. Like I needed a, <laughs> I needed trash bags and paper towels. It's spendy. So I, I, I went with tilapia instead. So tonight when I get home, I'm very excited. I have an onion. I'm going to slice that up, some avocado and tomato, and I'm going to put that on top of some fresh seared tilapia. I have some some whole wheat wraps, too. They're pretty healthy. Uh, and I'm going to do that. I'm going to watch a game of hockey. Let's tweet about it. I can't wait. Are you a hockey fan? And you're like, wow, listen to Grant. He's actually watching a, a sport that's not NBA or MLB or NFL. Yeah, let's tweet about it tonight. Let's go off. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, 608-796-2558. Uh, let's make sure, um, oh, we got a couple hockey texts. I need to listen to these. Joey, who had Celtics money line the other night, and that's fine because I know you've hit like almost all of your bets, Joey. You do send in bets. He said, I hammered the avalanche. McKinnon is going to dominate tonight. Yeah, I'm a big McKinnon guy. You know this about me. You know one thing about me. I'm a big McKinnon guy. He plays for the abs, I believe, based on this, te- based on this text. <laughs> uh, Mike in Monona says, nice Tame Impala intro. Uh, who... Uh, we got another text about music. Oh, it was uh, it was a tweet from Cole. Cole Holt says, what was that last intro song? Oh, that was Franklin's Tower, but it's a studio. If you want to listen to that song, don't listen to the studio. Uh, 1989 is the best. It's off without a net. And anyone who tells you otherwise just doesn't know what they're talking about. I'm all for choose your own adventure with Grateful Dead songs, but there is no better trilogy of Help on the Way, Slipknot, and Franklin's Tower than 1989. Nothing else comes close. I know. I've tried. I've listened to so many, and none of them even sniff sniff that version from without a net in 89. So Cole, I'm going to DM you if you want to, if you want a link, or maybe you're just asking to ask. I don't know, but you're going to get the link anyways. Let's talk golf coming up next on the Wisco sports show. This is the Wisco sports show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin sports zone radio network. I just had the scare of my life. I just got a text from a 414 number. Uh, that I had obviously don't have saved. And the way that it started made it made it read like someone had died. It starts, I never thought this would go this way, dot, dot, dot. It's Mandela Barnes asking for funds for his, what is he running for again? Is he lieutenant governor? Hold on. Uh, oh, he's opposing Ron Johnson. That's Senate, right? Yeah. Sorry, Mandela. Don't text me during my show. What a jerk. It scared me. The way that it was worded, I was like, oh my God, who died? <laughs> uh, we're talking hockey, spitting chicklets on the Wisco Sports Show. Appreciate you being here. Find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I have some things to say about golf, but we can save those things for tomorrow. The, the hockey talk has just energized a whole new group here. Uh, let's talk to Scott six zero eight seven nine six two five five. It was up, Scott. We're talking puck. Hey, uh, I'm actually going to jump to baseball. Is that okay? Oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I cool. So I don't know if it was playing. I don't know if it was playing across the whole network that you're on, but there was just an ad 
talking about how Jason Alexander plays for the Brewers, and it was a Seinfeld thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it inspired me to let you know. So there is a song that he did for a PBS special, the I Play in Right Field song. It's actually like the best piece of content he's ever put out. And it's uh, him singing that, uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. That's why I play in right field. Up where the dandelions grow. Better than, the, very better than the, the McDonald's commercial? Well, that's the thing. It's that McDonald's commercial. I think it was Pizza Hut. When I was a kid, when you watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or some other movie, that was like the Pizza Hut song. But uh, he did a cover of that, and it's really good. So if you ever have Jason Alexander pitching, you should put that up as the song leading into his start. You know what's kind of messed up, Scott, is Jason Alexander has maybe been their best starting pitcher over the last two weeks. That doesn't bode well. That's pretty scary. I know. Well, and I think his first inning that he pitched when he came up, he just got shelled. So his ERA is just because of that one inning. So, Well, Adrian Hauser, according to Craig Council, pitched really well last night. It was just the first inning. If we could just if, – if the first inning never counted against a pitcher's ERA, ERAs would never be over three. Everyone's stats would look so much better. Well, it, Adrian's a ground ball pitcher. That first inning, he deflected one. He oh. just rely on his defense, too. So, What was that Jace Peterson play? He was trying to dive, but then he realized he didn't need to dive, so he ended up rolling up on his shoulder. Oh, Yeah, that's the way these balls are rolling the last few weeks, but, hey, they'll come together. But Jason Alexander, baseball man, I do like the reference you guys did on WKTY. So <laughs> yeah, you. yeah, appreciate the call, Scott. Have an awesome night. I believe that's a promo for... Over the Line with Ebo, who you can hear from 6 to 9 on WKTY and 6 to 10 on WOZN The Zone in Madison. I have a text here, and I don't have a name on it. it says, I thought you were going to say someone texted you with a pregnancy scare. Do you think that happens a lot to me? Do you, do, you think, do you think women text me during my show a lot, and they're like, hey, you know, I, I got some bad news? Like, do you think? Why, why would my brain ever go there? No, it's just a text from Mandela Barnes. Joey says, I'm so confident in uh, the abs winning the Stanley Cup Finals that I already ordered a Nathan McCarron Stanley Cup Finals jersey. Oh, me too. I ordered it a week ago. I'd be more confident. I don't know any of these names. I don't know a single one. I know that Duncan Keith was playing for the Oilers, uh, and I know his teammate Connor McDavid, but that's about it. But for me, a casual, I can get into the Stanley Cup Finals because the story makes sense. It's the team that's trying to prolong the dynasty, win another title, win another ring, versus the team that's trying to break through and win their first. It's very Patriots-Chiefs 2018. Brandon tweets, side stories to watch. If Tampa wins, Pat Maroon will have won four Stanley Cups in a row. And if Tampa loses, Corey Perry will have three Stanley Cup finals in a row. These names might as well be random Brewers call-ups because I, I don't know any of them. We had a tweet before the show from the Brewers. They announced roster moves. Uh, Josh Hader is going to be out for the next three games. They added Chichi Gonzalez to the 26-man roster. That man doesn't exist. No, he's not. He's not real. That man is. That's not. He's not real. He's not a <laughs> Chichi Gonzalez. What are you talking about? No, that's not real. And I feel the same way about some of these hockey names being thrown at me. Uh, who do we got here? Pat Maroon. Pat Maroon. And Corey Perry. Names to watch. Thank you for that, Brandon. That's interesting. Another layer of intrigue to a sport that, for me, really needs some intrigue because I don't don't know the sport very well. But this storyline is one I can get behind. I can digest this. Let's take a break. Talk about the Brewers. Yay. It's going to be fun. We'll do that. But first, a Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network update with our good, good friend, Zach Heilbrand. (laughs) 2-2. 
Curveball struck him out. What a complete turnaround for Chris Bassett. Five rough starts in a row. Eight scoreless innings tonight. His best effort as a Met. Yeah, I mean, I think we got to do better. I don't think there's any question about that. You know, we've, we've got to do a little better. You know, obviously getting shut out, that's never going to work. Um, I think we can be better. I think we will be better. Yeah. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Strung together more than 10 words about hockey. <laughs> We're talking puck on the Wisco Sports Show. Look at us. We're doing something that's never been done before. What's going to happen next? The Brewers score more than three runs tonight? It's not getting our hopes up. That'd be a, be a pretty wild day. It'd be a fever dream. Josh Hader's been put on the paternity list, so the most likely path to Brewers victory tonight is... Corbin Burns throws a no-hitter. And then the Brewers win in extras because nine shutout innings, probably not enough the way this Brewers offense is playing right now. Uh, I want to talk more about the Brewers, but text me your thoughts on hockey. This has been an illuminating experience for me. Appreciating it. 608-796-2558. You can find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant as well. I have some golf takes. U.S. Open coming up this weekend. Also another sport I don't typically talk about. We could save those for tomorrow. We'll put those in our back pocket. That dog will still hunt tomorrow. Those aren't going to age out. U.S. Open should start tomorrow. Um, but really, I, I like I have a couple sound bites from a couple golfers. It's giving me a new appreciation. Well, I shouldn't say that. Not a new appreciation. It's giving me an appreciation of a sport that I've always, I, like, I see you. I see you golf, but it's it's never really been my thing. And I like it. So let's talk about that tomorrow. Uh, Brewers coming up at 530, so we only have a half hour. Uh, so we got to get all the good takes. Get all the, the important things in before then. 608-796-2558. First, let's go to the phones. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Well, my name is Austin Belke. Austin, what's or going Austin, on? I'm sorry. No, last no, name but, so I just wanted, uh, So I just want to talk to you about, like, the Wisconsin hockey thing. So I don't know if you know this, but in September, the Arizona Coyotes and Chicago Blackhawks are going to be playing Milwaukee. And part of me feels like this might be a trial run because Arizona, you know, they're kind of uh, – on the rocks with like their franchise, you know, like going under and not being able to afford their stadium and having to play at ASU. So like, maybe this is like a trial run to see how well they do in Milwaukee to maybe bring the franchise over here. But just kind of like a, something I've been kicking around ever since I heard that news that they were going to be playing um, in Milwaukee like this coming September. So yeah, what do you think about that? Are there a lot of Blackhawk fans in Milwaukee? Like I'm sure there are are a good amount, but like a like a big amount. Like is there a, a strong Blackhawk fan base in Milwaukee? Do you, do you know? Maybe you don't know, but I'm gonna ask. I I really don't know, but when I go there for the Milwaukee Admirals games, it's like always packed. Yeah, like I feel like there's a really good turnout constantly. So like. I wouldn't surprise me. I you know Wisconsin Badger hockey games are always pretty packed. I know it's in Madison's about an hour and a half difference, but like I think there's a strong hockey presence in in Wisconsin for sure. Because I remember a stat from a couple of years ago that there were actually like 
like Wisconsin was like the third most watched hockey state in the United States without like a franchise, like an NHL franchise here. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But, who do who do we yeah, cheer I for? I, I've always been more of a wild guy, but I grew up way closer to the Twin Cities than I grew up to Chicago or Milwaukee. Are we right. supposed to be a wild state? I feel like we should. We, we should be a wild state. I think we should too, because I'm a Penguins fan. <laughs> oh, is there a reason why? I just grew up watching Mario Lemieux and Yamir Yager, you know, like when they were winning the cups. So like, I just kind of like happened to fall in and start watching them. And ever since I was a kid, just been rooting for the Pittsburgh Penguins. No reason at all other than that. <laughs> By that measuring stick, I would be a Clippers and a Miami Heat fan today if we didn't have the Bucks, Because those were the teams that got me into it. I like the Lob City Clippers, the super team Heat, but I, I liked the role players. I'm still not that big of a LeBron guy. I... Man, I, I knew that the, the Coyotes and the Blackhawks were going to play a game up here. I never thought about it as a test run. I just figured, eh, Chicago, throw a bone to the hockey fans an hour and a half north and make a little money. I never thought of it as a trial run. Yeah, it was just like, because like, uh, I think it was an article. I can't remember who it was. I wish I could credit him. But he kind of like brought it up. And then ever since then, I've been just been like thinking about it. Like, that's actually like what kind of makes sense. Because I know they did that before before they brought the Jets down to Arizona, and they did the same thing, bringing a team up to Winnipeg, like before they uh, brought the Thrashers up to Winnipeg. So, yeah. Mm. All right. Well, you've given me something to chew on, Austin, here. I appreciate the call. Call back. Be a friend of show. Yeah, no problem. I, yeah, definitely will. Yeah, have a good one. That is our new friend, Austin. I, you know what? Austin Belke, seeing you announced yourself first and last name, that is how I'm going to save you on my note sheet. So if you call again, I Austin Belke, like... I, we need one caller who just randomly is referenced by first and last name, and that could be Austin's role. Thank you for the call, 608-796-2558. I know Milwaukee missed out on a WNBA team. I, obviously, there's a big difference between professional men's ice hockey and the WNBA. WNBA gets a bad rap, I think, with a lot of people, although I think it's getting better. The idea that you could just go get drunk at a hockey game in Milwaukee, I think people would be all about that. And by the way, we need to stop... The whole idea, like Austin said, well, we, we games in Madison, but that's like an hour and a half away from Milwaukee. That's the fastest drive. You blink in Johnson Creek and you're there. I cannot stand to listen to people from Milwaukee complain about driving to Madison and Green Bay. It's like, oh, you have it hard. You have it so difficult. I want to go to a concert. I got to drive to Chicago. God forbid it's on a Thursday night. I'm driving back five hours in the middle of the night going to work the next day. It's so far. What if they did put a professional team in Madison? That'd be kind of cool. Milwaukee doesn't need all three teams. You put one in Madison. That'd be pretty cool. The, the Sun Prairie mm, something or others. The Sun Prairie, the Sun. You know what Richie is called? And let's talk to Richie. Maybe he can bail me out here. Richie, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Hey, I'm doing great. How about you? Uh, I am swell. If the Brewers lose tonight, I'm not looking forward to the rest of the week. The vibes are low there. But other than oh, that, yeah. I'm good. Yeah, it's, it's been tough as a baseball fan the last couple of weeks here. Uh, I just want to say, uh, Eric, wherever you are, man, look me up. You and me, we're like best friends. Everything you said, like, it could have been me that just called because... Oh, Austin? Uh, yeah, or, yeah, Austin, sorry, yeah, yeah. Because I'm a hockey fan. I've been a huge hockey fan for a long time in a state where this is the only thing where I would say it's different, like close, living close to Minnesota. Minnesota cares about their hockey, so compared to them, Wisconsin is nothing. Yeah. But that being, that being said... I'm a Penguins fan because I watched Lemieux score a hat trick when I was like seven years old, and it wow. stuck. So I'm I'm a Penguins fan. Yes. I, I have kind of defaulted to the Wild a little bit now that I have Valley Sports and I can watch a lot of their games. Um, but yeah, and and then the whole Arizona thing. 
I believe it was an athletic article, and, and I don't remember who wrote it either, but I read the same thing. So the whole uh, Arizona team coming to Wisconsin, that's definitely uh, on the radar of the NHL, I believe, you know. So, yeah, it was just kind of funny to listen to that phone call because uh, it could have been me saying everything he just said. <laughs> hmm. Well, I just looked up athletic coyotes hockey, and the first headline is dysfunction in the desert, finger-pointing, fear, and financial strife. Okay, so there's the classic rule of three in a headline. And then imagining the Coyotes' future in Arizona. It doesn't seem, when you're talking about a future's team or a team's future in a certain place, that doesn't seem like a good sign that maybe they're there for the long run. No, well, they already already basically got kicked out of their own arena, so they're going to go play the next couple years in the University of Arizona State, or, yeah, Arizona State University's stadium. So yeah, it's like they're they're not even they don't even have their own sta- stadium. Um, but anyways, so to actually what I was going to call you about was the was the Brewers. Yeah. Um, so I just got very sidetracked by that awesome phone call. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was listening to uh, the Brewers Unfiltered podcast, mm-hmm. and one of the things that I took away from it, you know, we talk about how oh you know the Brewers aren't scoring runs and it's terrible, and they are. I mean they got shut out four times in that losing streak. The flip side of that though is it's very Jekyll and Hyde because one of the things that we were living off of all year long was that we only, or if we scored four runs, our record was great. Mm-hmm. Our record is now 20, our record is now 27 and seven when we score more than four runs. Four of those seven losses also came during this losing streak. So they scored four runs in a bunch of those losses and still lost the, or, and, and, you know, and still lost the game. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, there's it, the, the pitching, you know, whether it was just them putting too much pressure on themselves, trying to make up for the lack of offense or whatever, but our pitching has really been struggling in this during this losing streak, too. So when is the – so I, I've told myself this too, Richie. On Sunday, I was amped. I thought there was a Brewers winning streak coming, and I still kind of believe that. But also, like, I'm looking at the lineup they put out tonight. We're running Mark Mathias at second base and Kane starting in center. Like, Caratini hasn't done anything outside of a couple of bats at Wrigley. Like, no – None of this excites me. Their run differential is plus one. They're barely positive in run differential. Like, I understand this team can be Jekyll and Hyde. I'm just waiting for the Hyde, and it's not coming. Right, right. And when we are, like I said, when we, now all of a sudden, when we did score those runs, our pitching hasn't been pitching up to their level other than, you know, uh, Jason Alexander. But, uh, yeah, it's just been, it's been a, God, it's been a rough nine games, I guess, now. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll give it a couple more games, and we can reassess. Hopefully, by the end of the week, things start to balance out, and we can kind of just get back to a normal place, because with this Brewers team, we're either really high or really low. I just I want to be even-keeled. I-, I want a normal baseball team to watch and talk about, and this does not seem like a normal, even-keeled, natural baseball game. Or right. Baseball team. And, and hopefully, right, hopefully we get back on track before we have a, another four-game stretch against the Cardinals, and we can take care of business there and take the division over. Oh, God, please. All right, thank you, Richie, for the call. I appreciate you. <laughs> you bet. 608-796-2558. Take care, Richie, up in Eau Claire. Yeah, that that number, that plus one run differential, I, I don't I don't even care that they're two and a half back of the Cardinals. That's not even the worst part. Right? The Dodgers are plus 108. The Mets are plus 70. The entire NL East, other than Washington, is plus 24 or better. So the Phillies the Marlins and the Mets are all plus 24 or better. Most of those teams much better. Cardinals are plus 57. Brewers are plus one. Um, I'm not, 
I'm not saying that means everything, but that that can't mean nothing. Like that's significant. That's substantial, especially for a team that we believe is supposed to be contending. Dan is in Broadhead. Dan, it's been a while. What's going on? Well, you know, um, I had to call in because first I heard you guys uh, talking about the hockey deal. Yeah. And uh, I'm, of course, you know, Chicago fan, so I'm a Blackhawks fan. And I always thought that Wisconsin deserved a hockey team. I mean, you guys, you know, Wisconsin just, they breed hockey as far as college goes and juniors and all that. And then to not have a professional team to get drafted to would just be an upset because you're either going to a rival in, you know, Chicago or Detroit or Minnesota. Hmm. The Brewers are so, here's the thing. Wisconsin could get a hockey team, but the Brewers are so inept and they have been over the years. The Bucks have been for long stretches. At least they won a title. The other, I mean, they have two championships to their name. That's way more than the Brewers can say, right? I mean, what are we going to stick them in Milwaukee? We're going to have a third professional sports team. I, I get they would draw, but we always talk about how it's small market and it stinks. And I, I man, sticking another professional sports team, especially slow, so close to Chicago, I'd be about it. But then again, I'd have to learn all the players' names and I'd have to understand the league. And for my job, that just seems like a daunting task. Well, yeah, that that would actually yeah have, have create create more work for you, but more sports watching and enjoyment. Yeah. But uh, I also <laughs> I also had a, a comment for the Brewers. I was listening to the Bill Michaels show today. Mm-hmm. And is I wanted to see way, your is, take on is this. He up in Rice Lake, that's somewhat near you, right? Closer no, I'm you. down in Broadhead. I'm south. Oh, I'm thinking of, hold on. I'm thinking of another caller. Who the heck am I thinking of? Keep going. Sorry, <laughs> I cut you off. No, no problem. Uh, he had a texter uh, that, that sent a message, and he said that he completely agreed with it. And let me know what you think about this, because I think it's completely absurd. But he said that if Christian Yelich could get his groove back, he could become one of the best, if not the best, leadoff hitter in the majors. Hmm. What do you think about that? Well, if he gets his groove back, that's like the biggest if. That's like it's like saying if Aaron Rodgers and the Packers were to get past an NFC championship game. Like, yeah, it would be great, but are we really going to hold out hope? I mean, I don't know. It's great that Yelich is on this little hitting streak, but what has it amounted to? You know what I mean? I Yes. He would be one of the it best leadoff hitters. <laughs> yeah, he'd be one of the best leadoff hitters. I mean, I don't know. Problem is, Adamus is now hitting under 200, and they have no one in the middle of the order with any pop. I mean, sure, if yeah, if he got back, but then he would have. If Yelich got back to his his MVP form, he would just be an insanely good three hitter hitting in the leadoff spot. So sure, he'd be one of the better leadoff hitters in the league. But I, I don't know if that's you know what I mean. I. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I thought. If he gets his groove back, you don't want him leading off. You want him cleaning up. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then hopefully you could stick Colton Wong back in there just in time for him to get healthy and hit 215 for the rest of the season or whatever he's been hitting. <laughs> I've gone so right. negative on the Brewers in just a matter of two or three days. I'm not sure that I even like myself in the way I'm being right now. Oh, even, yeah, just yesterday you said they were going to get white hot. Well, they, they still like, could. I, I, I'm, I'm in between this team being terrible and this team about ready to rattle off like 23 of 25 wins. I, I can't, I can't decide. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, I wish you guys luck. It looks like my White Sox put a, a shellacking on Detroit again today with 22 hits and 13 runs. Yeah, Tony Larusa, the revenge tour. We thought he might be out. The fans were chanting him to get fired, and look at this. Yep. <laughs> we'll see what happens when the players play for you. Yeah, well, that's true. All right, Dan, thanks for the call.
Thanks, Grant. That is Dan in Broadhead. I'm sorry. So here is the confusion. We get a call from Larry in northern Wisconsin. That's as much as he'll elaborate. Other than he hangs out at the bar, the Broken Arrow. It's up by Lake Holcomb. So when I see Broadhead, that's where my, my, you know, Broken Arrow, Broadhead, that's where my, my mind went. Shout out to the bow hunters listening. Yeah, you know, you know what I, you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm about. You know what it is. At Wisco Grant on Twitter, 608-796-2558. Give me a call or a text. A couple things to say on the Brewers, and then we'll wrap up before the Brewers kick us off the air at 530. Wisco Sports Show back in a couple of minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. is Grant Bills. We have, look at my watch, 13 minutes until we got to say goodbye for the night. Brewers are in New York, so they start just a little bit early. 6-10 first pitch, 5-35 pregame across this wonderful network, the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network, WK2I in La Crosse, WOZN in Madison, and our friends to the north in Eau Claire, Sports Talk 105.1. I got some things to say about the Brewers. And they're not positive. I still believe in half of my heart that this team is going to rattle off this white-hot winning streak. But then the other half of me also thinks that maybe this team sucks. (laughs) Like, think of the 2020 Brewers. We thought maybe at the beginning of the year, although I think this team is much better than the 2020 Brewers, we thought at the beginning of the year, here we go, almost the World Series in 18, really good team in 19, here we go again. And then it just never really worked in 2020 for whatever reason. I know that was weird. That was the pandemic season, but maybe things just aren't going to work for this Brewers team. And I'm basing that question really on one statistic and one statistic alone. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. First, before I get into any specific topic, I feel like we should just, we should talk to Eric and I 90, because as soon as I try to bring something up, Eric is definitely going to want to zig another way. So Eric, you're first. What's going on, buddy? How you doing, bud? I'm out here on uh, out here on the highway. I got a PSA for everybody. Uh, uh, I-94 here. The uh, eastbound lane is completely closed off. Highway 16 from Toma to Oakdale is completely packed. I can see the cars over there. Wasn't there a tornado uh, that pl- blew into Oakdale and Toma like an hour ago? Yeah, yep, yep. We've been driving through tornadoes out here. Uh, oh, yeah, I can see 16 She's just jam-packed. There's there's no getting east or south out here. So if you're going that way, just, uh, you know, turn around. Why are you going east? Where are you? I never ask where you're driving. Well, I'm, going, I'm, driving. On, I'm in the west. I'm in the westbound. Oh, headed back home. All right, I got you. I'm, I'm in the westbound, and we're moving, but not very fast. Yeah. So... I just want to let everybody know, you know, it's uh, it's rough out here. Be safe. You know, oh yeah, we got got an overturned semi up here on I ninety four. Oof, scary. Be safe, Eric. I worry about you. No, we're good. We're good. We're it's uh, there's no problem here. All right. Okay. Well, uh, what is, what is your sports take for the day? I'm curious because I I just got to say, hey, that flop by uh, Marcus Smart the yes. other night where he like. They like they ejected him out of the, off the basketball court. This is he why went I, back like the, the, twenty the, feet. This is why I took your call first because you have made it. We're we've talked hockey tonight, Eric, and you have brought up the one sport and one team that we have literally not mentioned. We've talked Brewers, Packers, hockey, 
and you have brought NBA to the show, which I look, I appreciate the wild card effect, but this is why I took your call before saying anything because I, I knew you were going to do this. It was, uh, it was quite the flop. I've never seen anything like it. It's too nice. I, I've seen, I've seen Giannis run full bore into somebody and he hasn't flown like that. So I got to congratulate him on him. <laughs> Best flop I've ever seen. Good shout out. Thank you, Eric. We needed that. We de- it was quite something, and that's why. So he got teed up the other night, right? And then, and then there was an offensive foul that was probably a flop on Jordan Poole. But Marcus Smart was getting picked on by the refs a little bit the other night, and I didn't feel bad for him because if you're going to play the officials constantly, sometimes that's going to come back to haunt you. So the other night when Marcus Smart was getting, he was getting pushed around by the officials a little bit. I didn't feel for him. No, I don't feel for Marcus Smart ever. No, never. No, same here. The heck with him. We got two semis on their side, and it doesn't look like an accident. I think they got blown over. They got blown over, I think. They got blown over worse than Marcus Smart got blown over. (laughs) That's how Uh, bad it is out here. Oh, God. Um, This is going to sound rude. Anything else? Anything else you want to add? No, it looks like everybody's okay, though, out here. I just want to let everybody know I'm not. I'm not. The the drivers are standing out there, and the. Police are here, no ambulances, so it's all it's good. Safe. It's all good. Okay. Still miss that. We'll drive safe. I, I want appreciate- anybody to feel bad. I appreciate the PSA, Eric. Yeah, you have a good night, Grant. Yeah, we'll you- talk again. We'll t- yeah, we will. That's Eric on I ninety. How did I know he was going to do that? It's I. I thought Eric for a second. I thought you were going to call in and say, uh, you know, finally you brought up hockey, and I thought Eric was going to be this this closeted hockey fan. But he never brought it up because we don't talk hockey on this show. And no, of course, I should have known he was going to bring up. <laughs> I knew he brought up the NBA. Eric, we've talked NBA every day for six months on this show. The first day that I purposely don't bring it up, you have to call in and, and bring up Marcus Mar. Which, by the way, this is why I love you, Eric. But it's getting a little bit difficult to wrangle your calls. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with them other than sit here and laugh because they do make me laugh. They're funny. But they're their own thing. Um, drive safe, though. I I appreciate the I appreciate the PSA. I'm worried about the Brewers. Half of me thinks they're going to get hot. Half of me thinks this just might not work this year. And it, baseball's weird. You never know why some teams take off and some teams don't. The run differential is plus one. Dodgers are plus 108. Mets are plus 70. The entire NL East, excluding Washington, is plus 24 or better. Miami Marlins are plus 24, Phillies are plus 27, Braves are plus 38, Mets are plus 70. That's a whole division. Brewers are plus one. I know it's only June 15th. Happy Flag Day yesterday, by the way. I forgot to mention that. I just can't not take that as a really bad number. You can't tell me that's the Brewers run differential. I can't get that out of my head. And I can get a lot out of my head. I can ignore a lot. I really can. And I, I, I do. The national debt, for example, it's like $30 trillion. I'm over that. That doesn't stick with me. That doesn't hang with me. I fall asleep every night knowing that the Packers lost four NFC championship games in seven years. Two of them were blowouts. Two of them were complete and total horrendous meltdowns. And I sleep just fine. Poof. Head hits the pillow. And I'm out. Just like that. It's become a fact of life. You know, I live with it. You live with it. It just is. Packers have. Lost all those games. Somehow I've continued my life knowing that Mike Schilt won manager of the year over Craig Council in 2019. One of the grossest forms of, of an election gone wrong since. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think about that a lot. 
Mike Schilt winning that manager of the year. What a racket. I can let a lot go. Uh, this run differential thing, this is this is tough. This is sticking with me. Plus one. Let me let me read you some some comparable run differential. And run differential is not everything, but it's a pretty holistic measure. The Seattle Mariners, 28 and 34, or minus nine. It's pretty similar. It's weird because there aren't, and maybe this is just what's wrong with baseball. There's not a lot of middle ground. There are good teams, and then there are trash teams. Like, if you are to rank the NL Central by run differential, you have the Cardinals, who are plus 57, the Brewers, who are plus one, and then the Cubs and the Reds, who are plus 52, 53, respectively, or minus, and then the Pirates are minus 103. If you look at the NL West, geez, Dodgers are plus 108, Padres are plus 58, the Giants are plus 41, and then the Diamondbacks are minus 39, Rockies are minus 65. It's just bizarre. The Brewers are actually one of the few teams in baseball that's somewhere in the middle between horrendous and amazing. That number sticks with me. I don't like that. That gives me a really bad feeling. And in football, it's the same. You look at point differential. Sometimes a record can be misleading. The run differential of plus one for the Brewers would tell you that the fact that they're 34 and 29 at all is a bit of a miracle. Now, tonight, they're going to have Corbin Burns on the hill. This is like the third straight start for Corbin Burns where he is supposed to end a losing streak. He's supposed to come out and be dominant and give the Brewers a chance to get back on track. This is why a lot of smart people believe the Brewers, once they got up in the division by a couple of games, you believe that they're going to go wire to wire. Because with all of this elite starting pitching, you're not supposed to go on long losing streaks. You're supposed to lose two or three, but then Brandon Woodruff takes the mound, or Corbin Burns takes the mound, or Eric Lauer takes the mound, and they say, it's done, it's over with, I got this. I'm taking over. We're not losing on my day. It's my job to put my foot down and stop this. And it's just, it hasn't worked out. It hasn't worked for Corbin Burns. It hasn't worked for Eric Lauer. Jason Alexander has been their, their, their starter that's actually been most conducive to winning. He hasn't been statistically dominant, but he's been a winning player. Jason Alexander, the guy was a meme when he got called up to make his first start. He was a punchline. And now he's the guy who I might have the most faith in. Well, that's not true. I have the most faith in Corbin Burns, but. It's high time for one of these Brewers starting pitchers to go out and do their thing. And tonight, that might be seven innings, one run ball. And that might be really unrealistic of Corbin Burns. But guess what? The Brewers have built their way and built their team in such a way where you need a little bit of, of, of something that's not realistic. You need something beyond expectations because that's the way they've built their team. 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick. Uh, half of you needs a cold beer. The other half needs to. I'm going to get a beer after work tonight. I'm very excited. Uncle Buck says, if you could bring back any brewer from the past to help this brewer's team, who would it be and why? Ryan Braun, easy answer. Next question. I should end the show four minutes early. It's the easiest question I've ever had. I want prime Ryan Braun, steroid Ryan Braun. That's who I would want. If you put steroid prime Ryan Braun in the middle of this lineup, Hunter Renfro would be better. Omar Narvaez would be better. Christian Yelich would be better. Everyone gets better. This is what we've talked about this week, right? This Brewers lineup is full of guys who are good, can be great, can get hot, but they're all so impressionable. They're all 17-year-old girls with posters on their wall and, and everything that they hear is the biggest deal in the world, and, and it's, it's, this, it's that. That's what this is. Really, really impressionable. So if Omar Narvaez is in a rut, that's going to trickle down to the next guy in the roster and then the lineup, Hunter Renfro, and that's going to drop down and affect Keston Hira, and it's Never has this offense gone half cold and half good. It's not like four guys get cold and the rest of the lineup is good. They all get cold at once. 
there's this connectivity with this lineup and just getting one guy, one guy in the middle to supercharge him, that would make all the difference in the world. DW in New Glarus says, Grant, why don't the crew bring up Bryce Terang? I And this is what's so frustrating about baseball, that maybe they should do that. I Long story short, because he's not ready and he's not ready to hit at a major league level, this is what's frustrating about baseball is everyone thinks there's a solution. Well, you just got to bunt more. No, that's that, actually, that's not it. We just got to call up XYZ, bring up Joey Weimer, bring up Bryce Terang. I, I weirdly think Bryce Terang, when Willie Adamas gets hurt, I wouldn't mind it because I want to keep Luis Luis at third, but they've now moved him to second. We've opened a whole can of worms with moving guys around the infield. Tonight, Yelich is the DH, short as Adamas, third base is Urias, right field is Renfro, Kane is starting in center. Mark Mathias at second base. Keston here at first. So not only is Corbin Burns going to have to go seven innings of one-run ball, uh, he's going to have to strike most of them out because that infield is (laughs) Uh, not great. We saw the infield in the first inning last night. Uh, this is what Adrian Hauser had to deal with. You know, they made him work. Obviously, the, the first hitter makes him throw nine pitches and then and then hits a double. He he battled well through the inning, but they made him throw a ton of pitches. But it, it, you know, he didn't he didn't pitch poorly that inning necessarily. Maybe too many misses that kind of let him let him into some deep counts. But came back and, and pitched pretty well. I mean, that that line score could have looked a lot different tonight. I thought it could have. You know, Jace Peterson makes a play. There's not a deflected ball. You know, that's just how it goes, I guess. It can't go that way again for Burns tonight. It needs to be cleaner. It needs to be better. And I think it will be. It has to be at some point. If not tonight, I don't know when. This is Corbin Burns' chance to do what an ace is supposed to do, to step up, to have a dominant start, and get the team feeling some positive momentum, get the team headed in the right direction. That's how it's got to go. Tomorrow night, we'll talk golf, maybe more hockey. I don't know. Weirder things have happened. Enjoy the Brewers tonight. I'll talk to you tomorrow starting at 4. 